Sharon Gillam, thank you so much for talking to me today. It's lovely to see you. Um, you are a costume designer and you've worked on many uh, films, commercials, TV and theatre and festivals. Um, we know each other, we've known each other a very long time, haven't we? Probably about 18 years, something like that. Um, and in fact, you have designed some of the costumes for Hot Buckle for us as well, which is amazing. Um, but tell us a little bit um, about you, your background, how you got to where you are. Okay, so I am a costume designer for uh, film and TV and theatre and circus and street theatre. Um, I have recently worked on some uh, TV shows. Um, I worked on a, a Netflix series last year called The Stranger, um, which uh, had some of our the great British favourites like Jennifer Saunders in it and Richard Armitage. Um, uh, it was a contemporary job. Prior to that, I was working in Budapest on uh, um, a period drama called Jamestown, set in the 17th, 18th century, 17th century, um, which was very exciting. I had my own costume workshop over there and um, a whole section of it had Native American um, people came over and we recreated their costumes from the 17th century, which is very, very good. Um, I worked on a film in Romania called The Nun, which is a horror film. So I've had quite a wide range of experiences um, and in the past I've done a lot of commercials so I've worked around the world in various places um, making things happen at the last minute and how I got here was very very convoluted. I started off after school I went to university and studied languages because I didn't know what to do with my life for three years, four years um, and then I, when I finished, I didn't know what to do, still didn't know what to do with myself for about seven or eight years. Uh, so I tried various things I didn't like, like teaching TEFL and being a secretary, which I was useless at. I was working with an um, English speaking theatre company in Madrid um, while I was teaching TEFL and we didn't have anyone to make the costumes, so I made the costumes and suddenly had a eureka moment thinking, maybe I could do this for a job. Does this exist as a living? So I retrained, went to, um, did lots of evening classes and to cut a very long story short, I went to Wimbledon School of Art, did a second degree in theatre design and costume design. And then I started working as a costume assistant and then costume designer. After many years of assisting and doing lots of bits and pieces. Um, and why do you live in France? Um, I live in France because it's just a beautiful part of the world to live in. Um, and I lived, we lived in London for about 10 years and many people would say it was a completely foolhardy thing to do to move away from the place where all the work is. But, um, I just, I think having studied languages before and lived in another culture, I wanted to be able to bring up my son uh, bilingual and for him to experience another culture. And so we decided to move here tentatively for a year and then have been here for about 14 years now. Um, and it's just beautiful countryside. It's a real change from living in 
London. So when I go back to England, I get very excited about the culture there uh, and the opportunities, but I'm very happy to come back here. And in the meantime, I've also worked with quite a few, I've had some very interesting work in France, working with um, street theatre and circus people, because there are a lot of um, those kind of um, events that happen down here, near around where I live. Um, and I've been very lucky to meet some of the people who do those shows and work with them. So it's expanded my horizons and the street theatre and circus work has fed into the more sort of mainstream film and TV stuff. So it feels like it's a very rich environment to live in and something to take with me when I go back to work. So you live in the south of France, actually, in a very rural area. Um, so you and your husband, John, he works in education consultation, amongst other things. He's also a very keen musician. Um, but so both of you have managed to forge your careers whilst commuting from very, you know, rural part of South France. Yeah, we've managed to make it work. It's quite a strange, strange way of working, but we've spent time um, abroad together and separately. And I think that that made us feel that this was something that we could actually achieve. Um, and because John doesn't work all the time because he's in education, there are times when we're all at home in blocks of time. Sometimes he's at home in blocks of time. Sometimes I am. Um, and it works very well. Sharon, how has COVID-19 affected you personally and professionally? Uh, personally, um, I find it extremely scary and extremely worrying but I try to focus on li living day to day and not looking too much at the big picture which is maybe a bit sticking my head in the sand but it's the way that I found I can cope with it best and I've kept myself really busy um, in lockdown and now we're in the second lockdown in France um, doing lots of as many creative things as I possibly can so I I have really, I am a bit sad, but I've scheduled my life so that I spend, for example, this morning I spent two hours doing um, uh, a drawing course with New Masters Academy, which is an American um, online art school, um, just to really focus my mind and to keep myself busy and to retrain and to train myself in aspects of my work, which I think will come in handy in the future. So I'm learning to draw on my iPad. Um, so basically, I think my way of dealing with it is knowing it's there and being really careful, but making sure that I am keeping my mental health as balanced as possible by doing things which occupy my time and give me a great deal of satisfaction. And I wouldn't normally have time to do when I'm working because I'm just running around all the time. Um, so it is an opportunity and I'm sort of trying to see it as an opportunity as well. Um, Work-wise, uh, I was working before the lockdown started, I was working on a TV um, series in London um, and we kept going to the last minute, but then obviously we had to shut down. Um, the costumes were all put on a truck safely until we restarted and which we did restart in September. Um, and I had to do, prior to that, I had to do a like four hour um, COVID awareness course online, Zoom meeting type of thing. Um, and then when I got 
when I actually started on the ground, I had to write a COVID awareness costume department document, which um, had to be approved by all the various levels of people in um, in the show, and and read and understood by my department. So I was very responsible for making sure that my little department knew what they were doing and was um, was able to work under the constraints of COVID. So normally I would have, I have two, um, two I had two standby um, costume assistants who work on set. Um, and I have a supervisor who I, works on the wardrobe truck and organizes all the clothes every day. Um, the, the two girls, normally we would have one wardrobe truck for the for a, uh, a show of our size but this time we had two one was for the standby girls to sort of live in and me and my supervisor were on the other truck and we had an interim staging point where we could bring back costumes that had been worn or prepare costumes that were going to be worn they had to be sprayed or washed everything that was worn had to be washed at 60 degrees um, if it couldn't be washed, we had to spray everything, every item of clothing that anybody wore, including jewellery and shoes and handbags and everything, and then bag it in plastic. Um, and me and the supervisor had to wear PPE in the mornings to take the costumes into the trailers for the actors to put on, clean all the surfaces down and then leave them to it. Um, and then the standby girls had was tested every week for COVID and had to um, go to set and if they had to if they approached the actors they had to wear they had to wear full PPE basically including visors um, so it was pretty hardcore for them because it was they were wearing masks all day long I mean I know doctors and nurses have to do that too but it's quite strange for us normal members of the public to be like that but what was amazing was that there was they were, everybody was so determined to finish this job because we were three quarters of the way through it and we were all very um, desperate for it to finish because we all really, really loved the show. Um, and so there was, even though that everybody had to wear PPE, even though we had to be separated from each other, even though we had no lunch breaks, we just worked continuous days so that we didn't stop and contaminate each other. Um, it was a really positive experience going back to work and being in this team of people who were determined to finish and determined to make it happen. Um, so from that point of view, strangely, weirdly, it was a really positive experience. But you are always aware of your part in the whole, in the big picture and that, you know, at the weekends, you had to be really careful that you didn't spend too much time with anybody else because you had to because you knew that you were so responsible if so for example in my department if we didn't if we weren't careful with the costumes and we contaminated any number of the actors but say we contaminated the leading lady that would be the end of it for everybody not just us it wouldn't just be us who was ill or that person who was ill the whole thing would grind to a halt so i think it in terms of collective responsibility, it was a huge learning curve. So the, the second wave that's just hit us all, um, you guys in France a bit earlier than us, uh, or was it just the government reacting a bit earlier? Not sure. Um, you've just had to 
well, basically you had a great job lined up, didn't you, Sharon? And that's just gone to pot now. Yeah, so um, this is the thing is that not everything is so unstable. I was, I was confirmed on a job um, which was like the job of my dreams in Prague for the next nine months of my life. And uh, for various reasons, but including COVID, um, the, the show was just completely cancelled, not even postponed. Um, and so it's, it is really, really devastating when you feel like you're getting somewhere in your career and then suddenly something like this comes along and you just have to accept that there's nothing you can do. Um, you just have to wait for this wave to finish. The only thing that's positive, and I feel very lucky in this sense, is, is that, um, you know, since lockdown, a lot of people have been watching TV shows um, and films and so on. And so the in our industry is not going to disappear um, in the way that some people may feel that their work is sort of moving out of sight. Um, and uh, so, you know, that is something for positive to, to hold on to. But at the, for the time being, it's very hard that you just have to wait and be patient and accept that this is nothing's going to change quickly. Absolutely. And didn't you turn down another job to be able to do the nine? Yes, nine yes. So there was, <laughs> there was another job that I had also been offered. And uh, because the exciting job, more exciting job, <laughs> I've got to heard <laughs> by the production company. No. Um, so another done? very exciting job um, I had turned down in order to do the one in Prague and unfortunately um, the one in Prague fell through and so the other job also vanished as well as a third job that I had been up for um, and was down to the final two and because I wasn't available the day they decided to confirm it that job's also disappeared. So it's hard, it's just uh, a bit relentless, but you know, what can you do? You just have to remain positive. Have you had any support from the government in France? Uh, no, not really, because I, um, I declare my uh, work and my tax in the UK. So I'm at the mo I, I live here, but I'm not claiming any benefits or I, I never have actually. Um, the only thing in France that we um, we do have access to is healthcare, um, and that's not going to change until Brexit finally is finished. After which time, we have no idea what's going to happen with that. We are currently trying to find out from the UK government whether we will be able to continue to have French healthcare because it's been a reciprocal agreement between France and the UK or the UK and Europe, the European Union that if you're living in the European Union you get access to their healthcare and anyone from the EU in the UK would have access to the British healthcare but obviously in their wisdom people who voted and helped that to happen have made our lives really quite complicated. Um, so, so have you had any support from the UK government? Not me personally no because last year um, I earned over slightly, very really slightly over the threshold that was imposed in terms of people being able to be given support. So I haven't had anything at all. I haven't received anything. Um, but my husband has received uh, some of the self-employed benefit. 
um, but because we're both freelance, we weren't furloughed or anything. In terms of, you know, I've spoken to a lot of people who, working in the arts, who if they didn't have a partner who was able to continue working or was furloughed, they would really be in quite dire straits now. Is that the case with you, do you think? Yeah, definitely. I mean, the um, uh, yes, when it first happened um, and we tried to get a mortgage holiday on our home here in France and the bank refused to give us one and we didn't suddenly realise that because we are both freelance, we had no money coming in. Um, and, you know, my job is really hands on. It's not the kind of thing that I can do online, unfortunately. I wish it was. Um, even and, and until I'm confirmed on a job, I can't even start prepping, which is what I would normally do at home, working from home. Um, but uh, John has really found lots of opportunities within his field. So in education and um, coaching and to be able to um, get some quite a bit of online work going on. But yeah, without that, if it had just been me paying the bills, I wouldn't have been paying the bills at all. Mm. It would have been terrible. Have, has there ever been a point um, over the last few months that you've you've both sat down and actually had to really think quite seriously about what the future is going to be for you? Um, uh, not long term future, because like I said, I, I still feel and hope that um, I will be able to go back to work once things have calmed down, when things calm down or even between things calming down in the way that you know, the film industry started up again in July. I think I didn't start work till September, but there is there is a way of working with within the confines of COVID, obviously not in this situation that's happening now. And I think this lockdown is really necessary. So um, people do need to, to understand that they need to social distance, they need to wear masks, etc. We worked for five weeks with a big team of people um, you know, say a hundred people working together on a on a project. We all did what we needed to do. We all washed our hands and wore masks, and nobody became ill. And I don't think that's coincidence. I think it's because we were all being really careful. Um, and so, anyway, I do I do think that in the short term, we will go. It's going to be hard. Um, and we're lucky because John does have an income. He has got some money coming in, and he is managing to work online. Um, and so we will go back to work eventually, but um, I, I often think and my heart goes out to people who are not in that position, who don't have any income and are really looking at such hard times at the moment. Um, yeah, but I think at the moment we're okay. Um, you were saying um, earlier about the the kind of the theatre scene in France and particularly where you are because the south of France has a nice long period of being rather warm and lovely. The outdoor theatre and the street theatre um, is very prevalent, isn't it? Yes, exactly. And um, I think um, a lot of shows have still continued I mean they have had to really be careful and really um, restructure the way that um, they're working um, but they have continued to to produce shows and for even small festivals a friend of ours went was in a festival in northern France last week 
um, which they'd reprogrammed to just be at the weekend to be very spread out. Um, and that's great because I think people need to see um, fun things happening outside their TV screens and sort of see people performing and, and working. Um, it's difficult, because it is great that it's continued, but it is very difficult to police and control because inevitably people, even if it's outside, people are still gathering in crowds, in bigger or smaller crowds. Yeah. So um, it has carried on, but I don't, it won't carry on. It won't be happening now. Your good friend, Sophie and Pierre, who run uh, a company there in the South of France, they were working this half term which I found quite surprising. How, how, how come? Yeah, um, I don't know actually, cause I haven't spoken to Sophie about uh, since she's been back. Maybe it's because there are just two people in the, in the cast and they can do it with a big distance between them and the rest of the crowd. So they're okay, but the crowd, as I said, are all around each other and, and standing next to each other. So I don't really know how they made it happen, but they did, but I think they're back now. I think that's it now. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's difficult, isn't it? Because part of you celebrates the fact that these things are happening, but the other part actually says, is it irresponsible? Um, in terms of the arts generally, do you feel that there is going to be um, a long-term effect? Um, well, in terms of theatre, um it's a really, really, really difficult time for all, anyone who's involved. Um, I can't even begin to think how hard that must be and heartbreaking. When you, when you go online and like, the National Theatre is doing shows that you can watch and, and, you know, and you go past theatres in the UK and it says things like, we'll be back and, and all of that, it's just awful. And I think they will be back. I think that shows will come back and obviously the smaller companies are going to be the ones that are struck, are hit hardest because they just don't have the funding necessarily to keep going and pay, well, they can't pay people when there's no money coming in. Um, the big, you know, kind of big shows will probably carry on because they know that they can, they're guaranteed audiences as well. Um, but I find it really sad for the for the theatre industry in general, because it's hard enough for for us, but there is a light at the end of the tunnel ish. Um, whereas for theatre, it's obviously not that straightforward. Um, and um, I'm and I do know some actors who've uh, been involved in filming um, some of their shows, which I think is really great. But I still. They, they still have to be socially distanced, so I don't know how feasible that really is either. Um, I think that people, the will is there for people to want to go and see it, and it's just a matter of time and waiting until it's safe enough to get in there. Although I, I did see, I'm sure you've seen those images that go around social media of people sitting on planes next to each other, and then you look at theatres and you think, well, why can't you socially distance in theatres? I don't understand why you can sit on a plane, but you can't sit, you know, several seats away from the other person. So I don't really understand why that has happened. What has made you the saddest about the last few months? Um, I would say that the people 
who are at the bottom of the ladder not just in the arts but generally people who were already struggling financially people who um, are working for companies like Amazon that don't give any support or help to people you know when they're if they become ill or if they are worried about covid or trying to self-isolate that it's that that sort of level of society that's what's made me the saddest and is those people who already were in a really tough place and are now going to have to it's just going to get tougher and tougher for them you know because as i said we're okay because we've got some income coming in you know we live in a nice place we're in the countryside we're not stuck in a flat um and i that's what makes me really sad as well as obviously all the people who in the creative world who have just had to put themselves on hold for the time being um but um it's just such a such a difficult situation for everybody and my heart goes out to people who are really really struggling and are on the breadline and having this on top of everything else is just awful and in terms of sort of health and well-being how do you think that's affected the arts community having to kind of just completely shut down that is the thing that's had such a huge impact on people is that inability to or that lack of possibility of being able to work together and create something together, um, I think is, has, has really hit hard a lot of people because it, it's the fact that we can't touch each other and we can't, you know, be together in that sense physically. Um, but the, the lack of having a team that you work with is huge and it, it's, it's something that's, I think that's why, for example, I spend so much time ma making my lists and structuring my day because I'm used to doing that with other people all the time. Um, and it's very hard to just be in your own little circle with yourself and your, and your own head all the time. It's very, it's very hard to not get kind of really quite, quite depressed. Um, so yeah, I think, I think that's what I'm, when, when I said that it was so good going back to work, I think it's been interesting to be able to have that little window of work, um, which it sort of, it, it really shows how we need each other and we rely on each other, not just, you know, um, financially, but really as human beings, we need to, we need to interact and what we enjoy most is how, is spending time with each other and creatively making something happen as a team um so that's it's a big it's a big issue i think and i don't i think it will take stay with people for quite a long time so effectively you have at the moment no work lined up at all so there is just a sort of a void in front of you yeah <laughs> I fill my time with other creative things. You know, I'm, I'm trying to find other ways, mini ways of making money um, by selling some work or making things for, and selling them online. But it's not, I, that is not how I see my career. This is not a moment where I go, oh, maybe I should stop doing that and start doing something else. This is not, it's not that at all. It's uh, a way to make the days go by and not lose my mind, basically. <laughs> Yeah, I think there's a lot of that going on, isn't there? Yeah. 
what would you like your legacy to be? Oh, well, I am, I guess I am quite ambitious for myself in that sense that I want to, I would like to be able to do lots of different projects, um, which I have done so far. And I'd like to continue to do that, um, to work um, in as many different ways within the film world as possible, as many different genres. Um, but I do also feel that I would like to give something back to the younger generation and I have talked for um, several years and haven't actually done very much but <laughs> I have talked about getting into education and encouraging young people and especially um, the um, black and minority ethnic community involved in the film industry because the film industry is a very white middle-class southern industry uh, and uh, it needs to be shaken up and um, that's something that I would like to have achieved by that time that I'm sitting in my rocking chair um, so that it's not just all about me it's about encouraging younger people to step onto the ladder and get involved. What's I've, what I find fascinating is that everyone I've spoken to whatever kind of um, area of the arts they work in everyone has said they've done a bit of teaching, they really loved it, they'd like to pursue that more. And I think it's part of our nature as creatives to want to share and want to help and to want to support and want to see other people. I think we want to see what we know kind of grow in somebody else somehow. Yes, exactly. And also I think, like I said, the, the film world can be very quite a closed shop and there's quite a lot of nepotism that goes on. And um, I didn't come from that background at all. And as I said, I came through such a non-direct route to get to where I am. Um, and I would like to help people who are genuinely really interested in doing it or don't realize that it's a career to get involved and get into, the, into it. So it just becomes a bit more democratic. Great. Thank you so much for talking to me today. Pleasure, it was lovely to chat.